In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. To borrow some parlance from the scriptures, ye have heard it said that there is no such thing as a stupid question. That was what came to mind for me this week, spending time with this scripture, that old teacher's promise that there is no such thing as a stupid question. Jesus is explaining to his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be killed, but that death will not hold him. This isn't the first time they've received this lesson from their teacher, but the disciples still don't understand what he means. They don't understand, and they're afraid to ask. Maybe they still remember how Peter boldly answered back to Jesus, telling their friend that he was wrong and that Jesus rebuked Peter, telling him, get behind me. No, the disciples do not understand, but they may be thinking what you yourself may have thought when someone has so sweetly tried to reassure you that there are no stupid questions. No, there aren't, but it sure does seem like there are some stupid answers. I think we've all felt that way, please, <laughs> at one time or another, that learning, the act of asking a possibly silly question or testing out a possibly wrong answer, that learning just isn't worth the risk. It can't be worth the risk of looking foolish, but that just can't be further from the truth. In fact, even when it turns out the disciples were having an immature argument over who among them is the greatest, and they are embarrassed to tell Jesus about it, Jesus doesn't make them admit it. Jesus doesn't make anyone get up in front of the class. Instead, Jesus simply reteaches the difficult lesson that whoever wants to be first has to be willing to come last, and that it is the greatest of all who is the servant of all. It wasn't the first time that Jesus taught them this lesson, and it wouldn't be the last, just as he would continue to try and explain why they were all on the road to Jerusalem and what lay ahead for them there. I think we can sometimes be rather hard on the disciples and their seeming affinity for missing the point. And I think we do that because we recognize all the ways that the disciples are us, trying so hard to follow Jesus and to understand the difficult things he is trying to teach us. Because these lessons can't only be taught, they have to be lived. God's love for us is a reality to be experienced, to be tested, to love our neighbors as ourselves and to serve our neighbors before ourselves. It's one thing to think about it. It's another thing to try and do it. To learn from Jesus is to try and live like him. It's as true for us here today as it was for the disciples then. We're beginning a new year here at St. James. It is a new year of church school and educational formation for all ages, for studying scripture and theology and music, with new opportunities for service and worship. And it is all focused on what Jesus is trying to teach us through this gospel. It is all focused on what Jesus is trying to teach us in this gospel. All that we do together is rooted in the incarnation, why and how, 
God has come so near to us in Jesus Christ. And all that we do together is rooted in discipleship, what it means to try and follow Jesus. So in honor of Education Sunday and this real journey that we are on together, I wanted to give you all a cheat sheet. I want to give you the answers to all the tests in advance this year. I want us to all pass. The three things that sum up the life of discipleship. That's the cheat sheet, the three things that sum up the life of discipleship. So start writing them in the margins or put a post-it note on your bathroom mirror and you'll be ready for the final exam. It's just three things. And they're all prayers. The first is, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. You'll also receive credit for, Lord, help me, because that is the answer to the difficult challenge that the first must be last and that true greatness is found in service. It is what we should say to the challenge of lifting up children, of all people who are vulnerable, all people who we might want to write off as not having anything to teach us. Christ tells us that in welcoming the vulnerable, we welcome him. And the first answer to that and every other challenge we experience following God, the answer is, Lord, help us. The second prayer to remember is, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us when we inevitably fall short of your dream for us. Have mercy on us when we put ourselves first, when we fail to love others the way that you love us. Have mercy on us as we untangle ourselves from the gods of this world and struggle to turn away from the worship of power and wealth and whiteness. Like it says on the plaque on the front of the church, Christ, have mercy. And so we all pray together, Lord, have mercy. The last prayer to remember is thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that Jesus lived for us and died for us and loves us more than anything. Thanks be to God for the glory of creation, the joy of life, the beauty of worship. Thanks be to God that Jesus does not turn his back on his disciples then or now, and that we are invited again and again to follow Jesus on the way of love. These are the prayers that you need to know. Lord, help us. Lord, have mercy. Thanks be to God. Are you ready for your first test? Yeah? The Gospel of Mark tells us, Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. To that we say, Lord, help us. Lord, have mercy. Thanks be to God. Amen.